Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Uh, this is the Go Along Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, sharing. Uh, for this episode... We have our conversation with Jacksonville Jaguars rookie lineman Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, the 65th overall pick. Just a, a really fascinating guy. We talked about a lot of football, but also a lot of life. He was uh, an incredibly smart student at Kentucky, graduated with a master's degree in aerospace engineering, uh, the first UK aerospace engineering student, in fact. Uh, so, yeah, we had to talk a little UFOs, some aliens, figure out they were listening in on our conversation and uh, get into football. And what he thinks about Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence. I think we've seen teams go from worst to first. I don't know if it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's not crazy to think a team like Jacksonville could be a hell of a lot better than 3-14. and 14. And if they are, Luke Fortner probably is going to be a big reason for that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. You can catch – the written Q&A over at the website, golongtd.com. Subscribe, share. We greatly appreciate all of your support. And uh, yeah, let us know what you want to read, what you want to hear. Like we've said a few times, we want to really crank this podcast up to the next level over the coming months into the season. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. no idea that you were this involved with God, just a little bit of everything off the field. But um, what was it like growing up in, in Ohio first? I know, you know I have family that grew up on the other side of the state, Middlefield, Ohio, kind of out in the Amish country there. You, you were kind of more near Toledo, I want to say, right? Yeah. So I was born in Cleveland, um, oh. lived there till I was six, five, six, one of the two. And uh, I think five moved over to Slovenia um, and then grew up there. Uh, great place to grow up. Um, you know, lived in the suburb of Toledo and went to school, played all kinds of travel sports as a kid, played uh, football and basketball in high school. And yeah, it's a pretty good spot. I don't think I'd go back. How's that? But, but I'm glad I was there. If that makes sense. <laughs> Can always go back for, for visits, right? If you need oh, to. Oh yeah, definitely for visits, but I don't know if I'd ever, you know, I mean, of course, now that I say it, I'll probably end up moving back, but not on the plan. How's that? 
brothers, sisters, uh, mom yep, and dad, so everybody back there? Everybody's back there. My little brother goes to Bowling Green State University. Uh, sister goes to University of Toledo. She's about to graduate from there. Um, so I'm the oldest, and they're all back there, yep. So first with the football, I mean, you, um, you're you a Kentucky. I mean, obviously you're facing one of your teammates now, but what was that progress, that process like for you? How, how did you choose Kentucky? How did things start really revving into gear there? Yeah, so uh, my high school coach coached with Vince Merrow at Kentucky, and Vince was uh, – he coached at Toledo. Sorry, my high school coach coached with Vince Merrow at the University of Toledo, and Vince Merrow recruited me to Kentucky. Um, I know Vince. I had, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a special guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah he's a, intense. A lot of um, Mac offers and, uh, you know, had Cincinnati and Marshall, that sort of thing. And then uh, preferred walk-ons to places like Ohio state, Michigan state, that kind of thing. Um, Kentucky offered and Maryland offered. Those are my two power five offers and uh, never ended up visiting Maryland. But honestly, when I thought of Kentucky, I could just, I only thought of like banjos and like, just like I had the total like stereotypical view of Kentucky in my head because we're Northern Ohio. Like I'd never been in Kentucky. I'd never been through even like through the state. Um, and I went down on a visit because they offered and I was like, well, I should probably visit then. And I went down and visited and I met Landon Young, who uh, is from Kentucky. He's with the Saints now. And he was like, well, I've been learning to play the banjo. And I'm like, <laughs> like I knew it. I freaking knew it. Um, but, you know, visited and fell in love with the campus and the coaches and, uh, just everything about Lexington. We got to know uh, Lynn Bowden pretty well for his story yeah. last year. He's one of a kind. You, you guys had some good memories together. Right? That was a absolutely, that was a great season. absolutely. I mean, he's the he's probably the best athlete I've ever witnessed in person. Um, yeah, unreal. Yeah, what's he? What's he like in person? Because it it hasn't really worked out for him yet. I get he was hurt last year, but. Um, it just seems like he's somebody that could just flourish at receiver anywhere, any, any way you use him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's super chill. He, you know, he doesn't like, he leaves football on the field. You know what I mean? Um, you talk to him off the field and you can talk about whatever and yeah. uh, super nice guy and uh, kind of the perfect guy to step into the role he did at Kentucky. I mean, some of those games we want, I mean, we, I was talking to Grant Morgan actually, who's with the Jags right now. And he's just like, Cause we played and we had Lynn Bowden at quarterback and he was like, yeah, yeah it was silly. Like we, you know, we went in the game and knew you didn't have a quarterback and thought, you know, whatever we'd figure it out. But yeah. Just kind of like some direct snaps and just, you know, literally just, <laughs> just Hey, like block, block as many as you can. He'll figure out the rest. Yeah. Man. So like what, how did, when did you kind of know yourself that, um, you know, the NFL could be real that you could really turn a corner and do something with this. Yeah, for me, it honestly didn't happen until like the fourth or fifth year. Um, so I showed up and redshirted. And I th- one of the funniest memories was I got into the, the O-line room and our O-line coach was like making a point and he was like, you know, Luke, like what, what, what's your GPA in high school? And I was like, oh, gee. you know, like I was being like singled out. And I was like, oh, 4.0. And he's like, see, like, look, at the, like you guys can all do that. Like, and, like, everyone in the front row, all the seniors at the time, like, turned around and were like, why are you here? Like, why are you at Kentucky? Why are you playing football here? Like, you don't need this. You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I, was, I asked myself that. I was like, I don't know. I guess I just, you know, wanted to give it a shot. And uh, 
for a couple of years, I was a backup and redshirted and finally started my fourth year and uh, never, not that I never took it seriously. Like I always, I mean, I was always on time to work out. So I was always, you know, gave it my all in practice, but uh, I was always kind of sharing half of my, you know, mental and physical um, self with school. Uh, and I didn't realize how much school kind of took out of me when it came to football until after my fifth year, I decided to go back. And that spring I ended up taking like one class and just every day woke up and did football. Um, so it took a while, you know, I was there for a while and it wasn't really on the NFL wasn't on the forefront for me for a while there. Yeah, there's not many guys are uh, you know, attacking class the way you did. Let's face it. I mean, I don't know. I went to Syracuse. There were some D1 athletes. They just kind of strolled in there for that first lecture, got their syllabus, and we didn't see them. <laughs> we didn't see them the rest of that semester. Yeah. But not not so much for you. I mean, holy cow! Uh, what, like, what what was I guess what what was your dream job like before the NFL became this realistic thing? And what could you still see yourself doing? I, I guess with you know, I should say you have the, I mean, counting all your degrees here, you have a degree in mechanical engineering and you also have your master's in aerospace engineering that you just got this past May and yeah. also a master's degree in business at administration. So yeah. holy cow. Um, so, you know, I kind of showed up and I'd always been good at school, but I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, I came in like, as like the undecided and they're like, well, you know, what are you good at? And I was like, oh, I'm okay at math. And they're like, here, try this. I was like, okay, it was mechanical engineering. And uh, it got to a point where I almost started doing it. Like I I started it and everyone was like, you're not going to be able to do both. You know what I mean? Or just that like it would be super hard and not even like worth it. And and then I was like, okay, now I have to do both. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, (laughs) I have to, I have to prove that I can do it. You know, I don't know, to myself, to, whoever but i was like okay now i have to finish it out um and there were like it was a semester in there where it was like okay this is really hard you know what i mean uh but besides that it was it wasn't as hard as i thought it'd be or people made it sound um and kentucky was super great about tutors and you know coaches were cool with you know hey there's 10 minutes left to practice but i gotta get to class or you know even professors being cool about hey uh, you know, I got to go to practice at this time. Can I leave class a little bit early? Uh, so both sides gave and it gave and took, and they were both, you know, everyone wanted me to succeed. So I think that's a huge part of it because I talked to other guys and from different schools, and you know, either the academic side doesn't let them, you know, switch things around, or the football side doesn't let them switch things around. So I feel really lucky that Kentucky let me do that. Being D one, flourishing like you did uh, with a program on the rise. I mean, you kind of caught Kentucky were a part of Kentucky kind of on the way up, but also take it on course load. That's it's not the normal course load. I mean, what was so, what made that different? What made it difficult uh, with what you were studying? Uh, For me, it was just like the time. Um, Like I could, I could do both and I knew I could do both, but it was about where am I going to, you know, which one am I going to do better? Uh, And in the beginning it was easier to do them both really well. Um, you know, taking like the lower level math classes and um, being on a scout team, like I could do those both really well. And as I transitioned to, you know, being a, that swing guard inside in my third year who 
got a ton of reps, but never started. And in the same time, you know, I started taking, there's this class called uh, dynamics and man, that like that Brutal. semester, I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do these both. Um, and what, what went I, into that class? What made that tough? Uh, it was just like the professor, like was super cool. And I really liked him. He liked me and everything, but the material was just really tough. And he was one of those professors that like assumed that like everything you'd learned until then you were like perfect at, if that makes sense. And so he just like kept going and going and going, assuming that like, Oh, they know everything there is to know about, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and so it ended up working out because he was super helpful and I could go to him and ask for help and whatnot. But it was definitely a huge time crunch for me and ended up taking, you know, a lot of my time, you know, my day would be wake up, work out, um, go to class, go to practice. And then there were nights where I'd get out of practice at six, six fifteen, and then just go to the library till 11 study and, you know, go to bed and repeat. Um, after I made it through that semester though, it all kind of, you know, the senior engineering classes were a little easier and ended up kind of figuring it out in terms of football. Um, so for me, the time, like just picking and choosing when I wanted to spend more time playing football and when I wanted to spend more time at school, you know what I mean? The aerospace stuff though, like what, what is that exactly? I yeah. So I, so I got to Kentucky in 2016 and graduated with the undergrad in December of 2019. So I knew I had, you know, at the time I knew I had technically a two more seasons, 16, 17, 18, nine, one more season, right? I thought I had a fifth year and that would be it. Um, and so I was kind of trying to figure out what to do. And I had a professor, his name was Dr. Alexander Martin, and he became my advisor for grad school. And he said, look, I've I know you play football. I know it'd be super hard time crunch. I'm willing to be flexible about everything. And um, I think you really enjoy this master's program. And it originally started as a master's in mechanical engineering, but with like a specialization in aerospace um, because they didn't have the aerospace program. Um, And so he does a ton of work with NASA and he's um, done a ton of work with them and a ton of work with all kinds of different private uh, aerospace firms and he ended up giving me a a project and letting me get my master's in mechanical engineering for that what I thought was going to be a year left of school and football um, and so it kind of just worked out because he knew the time requirements that football had and was able to help me make it work so without him I probably wouldn't have ended up getting it so towards the end of it he was like hey we just got accredited for the aerospace engineering program you want it you know like you fit all the requirements do you want it to make it that and I was like yeah it sounds awesome are you kidding me <laughs> he was like all right like that'll be it and so I'm the first UK aerospace engineering grad what's out there then what's out there in space what don't we know <laughs> we don't know what we don't know um that's true that's a that's a great we question. do know that there's a UFOs though right I mean this the spotting has been picking up I feel like nobody's even talking about it I These know they're checking us out nobody cares I'm with you uh, the fact that no one's talking about it makes me think it's even weirder I know 
Well, we're also worried about just nonsense and just trivial no bullshit doubt. every day, and the aliens could just take us out. But they're probably <laughs> scoping us out right now. They're probably listening to this conversation. I know they're That's... probably the ones that are making us talk about all the bullshit. They know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're just like puppeteers up there. Is there? Did you like? I know it's engineering, but would you let your mind go to like that kind of stuff with space? Like, what, what the oh, hell is absolutely. out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there is. You know, some of the projects that I didn't necessarily work on, but people in the same lab are working on. And um, I mean, all kinds of like propulsion systems and hypersonic, you know, super cool stuff that like I was <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm glad I don't have that project. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they, they do some some super interesting stuff there um, that I was always like, OK, that's, you know, that's like going to Mars and going to, you know, other solar system type stuff right there explain space to me like if i was eight years old like how insignificant and tiny are we really like on earth and and and, and, and with that perspective of space um you know how they say like you're like a grain of sand like compared to like the universe or whatever i think it's like now at the point where it's like no you're even like less than that i I don't know what it is but it's it's ridiculous. I actually, I heard something the other day and I have no idea if this is true. So don't, don't throw this out there without fact checking. It was like, if you made the time humans have been on earth, like into like the calendar, like a year, like 365 days, we would have like discovered the wheel on like December 28th. If we're, you know, at like the new year right now or whatever. So that one blew my mind, not space. Wow. But that one blew my mind. I got to look that up. Man. Again, that's probably not even true. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's. I, I, it took me a second to kind of like uh, to digest that. But that, that's that's insane. So off the field, you were doing a ton. Obviously, I mean, hope, I, where do you start with that? Like, how did you kind of get involved with got Toyota manufacturing and uh, lift them up the the push the push cart vehicle off yeah. of the Children's Hospital? You you were a busy guy there in college. Yeah, so we had a. Uh, you know, kind of like a community engagement guy. His name was Freddie Maggard. And he, uh, he kind of reached out and he had a good friend who works at Toyota and they had seen, you know, things like the Iowa, you know, where they wave and um, some other kind of things like that. And Toyota actually came up with the idea of having something we could take on the catwalk with us, um, you know, with a, someone from the children's hospital or a fan or whatever it may be. And they reached out to, uh, the university in football. So community engagement guy comes up to me. He's like, Hey, I got something you might be interested in. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he was like, well, it's got, you know, Toyota, which is obviously they're huge in the engineering program, being how close they are to Lexington. Uh, you know, it's got people at the children's hospital and it's got football involved. And so we went to the meeting, the first meeting for it, which was like, I think it was like the first week in January. And the plan was to have it ready by the season. And I was like sitting in that meeting. I was like, there's no way this gets that. This is like too many people have to be on board, you know, for this to happen. Um, and of course it ends up working out and they kind of came to us and it was me and four other engineering students and they Toyota like said, okay, here's what it needs to do. Now you guys like spec it out, go figure out what it needs to look like, you know, what kind of, um, what should the chassis be made out of? What should the brakes be? What should the wheels be? All that. So we all like came up with it. 
And then Toyota was like, okay, like, yes, no, maybe, you know what I mean? Like went through it and was like, this is why this won't work. This is why this will work. Like, good job. Like not quite. Um, so it was just a super cool learning experience. And uh, we met a ton of people from Toyota and they ended up helping us come up with the final um, plan. And then they built it. Um, and, you know, we had a guy on the team who ended up designing it and did the, the artwork on the outside and the paint job and everything like that. So it was just a super cool experience for us to learn, you know, about engineering and, and certain things that go into um, building a, a prototype and a final product while also obviously being able to help the kids. Uh, and so we ended up debuting that. And then kind of after that, I was like, okay, this was awesome. Like I want to do more. And so we ended up visiting the children's hospital uh, weekly there for a while. And that was really cool. And then when COVID hit, we would zoom and send videos and do all kinds of stuff. So I really fell in love with that. And that was probably my favorite part of being at Kentucky. Wow. I mean, who are you meeting? I imagine some of uh, the kids that you're getting to know, it's going to strike an emotional chord or two along the way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a, it's a pretty bittersweet, obviously. Um, you know, you meet some kids who, you know, broke an arm. Um, and obviously I'd say that's kind of a, that's always a fun experience. Cause they're always, you know, pumped to see you. They're like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like kids, like they break an arm, like they're not like, Oh my God, you know what I mean? Um, so they have a great time and, uh, always good to connect with them. And then you see some kids who, you know, have a little more than a broken arm or, you know, maybe it's not their first visit to the hospital or, you know, maybe they haven't left the hospital. Uh, and those are hard. Those are really hard. Um, but those are the ones that make it worth it. I'd say, uh, just to see some of those kids smile and like some of the things that, you know, you'll talk to the parents after the parents will walk you out or whatever, you know, they'll say some stuff like, you know, that's the first time you smiled in three weeks or something, you know what I mean? And stuff like that just, I mean, it blows your mind. Um, makes it all worth it, puts it in perspective. And, you know, I do it for a selfish reason because it makes me feel better about everything I have going on. You know what I mean? It makes me uh, feel blessed and lucky to be where I'm at and what I'm doing. And there's only so many, so many years of your life, so many opportunities in your life you can give back like that. You know what I mean? Like obviously everyone can give back, but it's just such a unique opportunity to be, you know, a football player and be, at Kentucky or at the Jaguars or wherever you may be. Um, just make a kid smile by being wherever you are. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Were you able to like um, get to know some of these guys regularly? Like would you kind of be a recurring figure in, in their lives and kind of build a relationship? Oh yeah. There's a few I'm like BFFs with now. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. There's a few that I have long-term relationships now with and, uh, you know, just unfortunately I'd see them all the time. Um, or maybe I'd see them once and then they'd end up coming to a game and that sort of thing. So yeah, there's definitely quite a few I stay in touch with now. I would give you a perspective, you know, the thing I imagine you, you're going to encounter like everybody's stress in life and you know, your life is in flux. You're going to the NFL and then boom, you, you probably talk to one of these kids and it just kind of puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, 1,000%. Um, we actually got to go back to the hospital uh, 
first week in May or last week in April. I can't remember. For like the first time since COVID happened. Um, and we were in there and it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a great, it was a great timing for me. Got to go back before uh, went off to Jacksonville and kind of, like you said, put all the perspective of the stress that brings in, in, you know, into a lens, into a frame for you. How does like, does all this stuff off the field, especially with what you studied, does it help you on the offensive line? Like, I think we think of offensive linemen as, you know, grunts and just kind of, you know, in the trenches and mashing into other 300 pounders. And, but I'll tell you what, the, the more I would talk to players, you know, Richie Incognito, I got to know him really well here in Buffalo and everybody probably has an opinion of Richie Incognito. You talk to him though. He's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life. Like he, he was breaking down like the Middle East and he knew which countries were warring with which countries and factions and all the, you know, all the authoritarian figure, everything, everything. Um, but nobody really knew that side of him. I don't know. Like how, how did, but just yeah. being a really smart guy yourself. I mean, obviously you've, you know, you, your mind is operating at a different level. How does it help you when it comes to your, your day job now? Yeah. I'd say the biggest thing for me um, is just the like, amount of information I can put away and like it doesn't always translate right away like I don't know a lot of people think oh you're so smart like you'll go out there day one and know exactly what you're doing and like no (laughs) not even close you know what I mean like uh but for me it's just you give me the offense and the film and I can put that information away in my head just like I did for every single engineering term, every single engineering form, you know what I mean? Like store it in the back of my head that like I promised in like seven or eight months, you know, whatever it is, like I can pull that random bullshit thing from, you know, June 7th out that someone else maybe not might not be able to, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know why that's just, my mom always used to make fun of my dad because he'd always just know – she would always call it random bullshit. And, like, <laughs> I have that same, you know, genetic quality for whatever reason. And instead of random bullshit, it's like, oh, they're bringing this pressure, this play on the right hash. You know what I mean? Like, something stupid like that, I just feel like, well, has given me that advantage. I mean, the center has to be one of the – one of, if not the smartest player on the field, right? I mean, you've got to – have a grasp of everything and all the pressures. And this is your first year. I mean, the first time you're seeing these NFL defenses, but how confident are you to just walk up to that line and know what's coming? Yeah. I think, you know, a big part of it um, was watching the centers I had at Kentucky, uh, Drake Jackson uh, played center from you while know, I was guard for three years before I moved over. Um, and he was really freaking good at it. Uh and I'm, you know, I'm confident that when game week comes, I'll be ready. I'm confident in my ability to, pre- to prepare, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, these coaches have it down to such a science that they, like, they'll hand you a tape of, you know, 600 plays or something. And, like, if you know that, you'll be all right. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's confidence in my ability to prepare for it that I'll be all right. 
that's a good a good quiet confidence to have. I mean, if you your head could be swimming right now. I mean, you're learning an offense and breaking it. They're breaking in a new head coach. Everything's kind of new. But are are you pretty calm right now, or are is this a facade? Are you really like we're gonna we're gonna stop the interview and you're gonna go back to freaking out about everything? <laughs> no, I'm calm right now. But I will say, being calm makes me nervous because you know, I feel like I, should be, I feel like I should be like, oh shit, what the. Um, no, I don't know. I, I take comfort in knowing that, like, I know I will be okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like right now, new head coach, new offense, new place to live, new everything. Um, but I'm confident in what I've done and what I will do that when it comes time, I'll, I'll be all right. Um, I think another thing that helps, honestly, is like the fact that the offense is new for everyone. You know, like I've heard horror stories of guys going into camps and like, you know, they've been running the same offense. You know, you look at like New England, they've been running the same offense for whatever, 20 years or whatever. Like that would be awful. You know what I mean? Because everyone's using terms that aren't even in the playbook. And like, you know, here everyone's learning. And like, obviously the vets have picked on it, picked it up super quick, quicker than I did. But at the same time, they're like, hey, like, I was struggling with that too, like three weeks ago, you know what I mean? Like, here's how I think of it. So I think that's actually pretty helpful. I didn't think of it like that. It's kind of, everything's kind of new for, for everybody. I mean, thank right. God after last year, what this team went through, what's, uh, what's Doug like your, your head coach, um, you know, as a, yeah. as a leader, you know, day to day and, and what's his offense really like? Why, why are guys so excited down there? Yeah. He seems, you know, he kind of reminds me of Coach Stoops a lot in terms of, uh, He's a player's coach, but the one thing I learned in at Kentucky was, you know, do it right, do it like. <laughs> you know, there's no point in sitting out there and repping something a million times, you know, a play a million times if it's crap every single time. You know what I mean? Um, and, like, I feel like there's so many people I talk to that say that that's what they did in high school or college is, you know, they just do endless reps for what feels like no reason. I feel like it. Kentucky was, you know, if you do it right, we'll do it a few times till you got it and that'll be it. And if you do it like you do it like crap, we'll, you know, we'll do something else. And it's probably on us if you're doing it like crap. You know what I mean? So I just think taking responsibility um, is a huge thing. And I think Coach Peterson, you know, I've known him for a few weeks now, but he always he already gives off that aura of, of confidence. But kind of like I mentioned earlier, that we're going to be prepared. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, so he's been there. He's yeah. gotten the most Pretty out of a young record. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. He's be, available. Yeah. Um, and then all eyes are going to be on your quarterback, obviously, and it could go either way. You know, a lot of people's opinions. What what gives you confidence and belief in, in Trevor Lawrence that you know everything that we kind of saw at Clemson? I mean, we all watched him at Clemson. We all saw him just dominate um but that's in there you know what i mean how, yep. how, how how's doug and the staff really going to get that out yeah i think that's a great question uh if i knew that i'd probably be sitting next to doug right now you are aerospace you know there's yeah there's, you might, but might think, be an expertise i think it's a similar i keep coming back to the same theme and i think there's a reason for that is is he is as calm in person as he is on tv as he is when you see him in those moments and the national championship game, as you see him last year. Um, I think him and Doug have that in common. I think they've kind of tried to build around him with that same 
idea in mind that, uh, you know, what was this? I think it's preparation breeds confidence. Is that the, no, I got to Google that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're on to something. There. Preparation breeds confidence. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone kind of embodies that, especially Trevor and Coach Peterson. Is, uh, they're not worried about what's going to happen in six weeks or 10 weeks. They're worried about this week and how they can, you know, change the outcome right now. Um, and I think for Trevor, and again, I, I've known him for six weeks and seen everything else, you know, what everyone else has seen on TV, but uh, he just – has that aura of confidence and, and calmness that I think not only inspires himself, but everyone around him. Yeah. That's one of those things. I feel like everybody is probably saying that about every quarterback, this, especially this time of year. But if it's, if it's real, that, and that really is a quality that not all quarterbacks have. It's like, everybody kind of says that, yeah, our guy's calm, cool, collected, but I don't know. True. The, no, are fine. Right. The, the proof's yeah, going to be in the pudding, right. but we've yeah. seen that we saw it out of him in college. Is what I'm saying, like, it's, you have it's to check there. back in, in 20 weeks. You have to call me <laughs> up and I'll let you know. <laughs> no, it's, I, I love this time of year. It's, it's, hey, that's, that's what's great about the NFL. It's like any team can manufacture real hope. I mean, you can't do that in the NBA or no. you know, baseball and even hockey to an extent. It's, can't, can't really sit there in the offseason and talk about, hey, maybe you make the playoffs this year. The Jaguars can make the playoffs this year. I mean, that's not an outlandish I mean, thing to say. You look at the Bengals, I mean – yeah. Anyone can do it. No, I agree. How do you do that then? Like, I mean, that's, that's probably what every team's hoping, right. To make that Bengals size leap, but it's been done. They did it. You know, you've got a quarterback that's super talented. Like they have a super talented quarterback. So how do you, how do you do that? And like, like I said, it's been six weeks, but you've been around these guys. You've been around Doug Peterson. You're confident. How, what, 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 what are the ingredients to go into making that kind of jump? It's so cliche, but it's so cliche for a reason, but just like one day at a time, you know what I mean? No, I mean, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, like, you know, you win in the off season and that's true, but you know, if you try to do too much right now, you're not going to get anything out of it. You're not going to, you know, no one's going to learn the the fundamentals they need to learn. No one's going to learn the plays they need to learn. And I think another big thing I took from Kentucky is just that capacity is that like, when Coach Stoops came in in 2012 or whatever, right? People don't have the capacity, mental or physical, to do what it takes to be a winning program, right? Because they, they don't know, they've never been around it, that sort of thing. And you see, when I got to Kentucky from 2016 until I left in 2022, you know, the difference in workouts, the difference in meetings, the difference in practice is just like night and day. And so I think for, you know, the Jaguars as a whole is, is building that capacity. I think that's what we're doing now is, you know, again, I, you know, I've never seen another NFL practice. This is the only one I've been a part of, yeah. but you start small, you start with building people's mental abilities, building people's physical abilities so that, you know, maybe in OTAs you're doing one thing, but by the time the end of the season comes, everyone's operating on such a higher level that it's, you know, it's night and day. And I think, Coach Peterson understands that, and I think that's where, you know, he's looking to take this. Yeah, I, 
tend to forget too how you guys did it in college in the SEC too, right? And for the for the longest time, Kentucky's not sniffing anything, you know, in, in that conference. My, you guys helped change that. My first game at Kentucky, we lost to Southern Miss at home. So I've I've been I've been everywhere. You know what I mean? I've been at the bottom. I've been at the top. So I mean, it's a uh, yeah. It was a turnaround. Hey, what would you like to do off the field? You know, when you're not studying and you know helping out in the community and you know doing a million different things, what what kind of interest do you have? Uh, you know, now I'm trying to learn how to golf because everyone apparently in Jacksonville golfs. Um, so that's like a number one on the list. Uh, I actually I disc golf, but apparently that's not the same thing. They, um, yeah, play video games, play a ton of video games, total nerd. Love to read. Um, I always like to say if I didn't play football, I'd be like your stereotypical like nerd, like behind a computer screen 24-7. Football, you know, drags me away for sure. But that's that's definitely how I picture myself. And then just hanging out with friends. I'm pretty pretty chill with whatever. Uh, I like to travel. Um, National parks. Love visiting national parks. Been to a few of those. So favorite yeah. one? I think the favorite one so far is Zion National Park in Utah. Um, oh, man. I've been to Yellowstone. I've been to Zion, Bryce Canyon, Grand Canyon, uh, Saguaro, Petroy Forest, Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, been to the Everglades. Um, I'm missing one somewhere, but yeah, I haven't been to, you know, I think there's like 63. So, you know, you should take a, uh, I guess it'd be a long drive, somewhat of a, yeah, really long drive from Jacksonville, but, but doable. You should go down to the keys and do the dry Tortugas. Yeah. See, that's what, uh, cause you can get a couple of ferries even from like Naples or Miami. So yeah, that's definitely on the, on the list is to drive down to the keys sometime. We just did it a few months ago. It's pretty cool. The history yeah. is nuts. I mean, what, yeah, and the, the purpose um, for the location and everything. Total nerd. I would love it. That's like my would have been a history major if you know if I knew the NFL was going to work out for sure. I definitely would have just done history in college and not worried about the money. What do you like to read? You said you're into some books and stuff. What's it with anything? Good yeah. Um, so I'm all over the place. Like I, you know, I love like the Lord of the Rings and like Harry Potter, all that stuff, and then. Um, like reading nonfiction, um, like geography, uh, literally anything under the sun. I can, I can open it up and read it. I love it. Boy, audiobooks are great too for being a busy guy like yourself. I don't know if you've yeah, got that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more into the podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah what what podcast then? Um, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Ooh, best podcast. Never heard of it best podcast out there if you like history you will you will love it all right i gotta i gotta check it out i usually just kind of stay locked into adam carolla i gotta expand my horizons a little bit no i it's a it's a good one i actually i listened to the history of rome podcast which is like a 200 episode thing on the whole history of rome it was one of those it was one of those i started and i was like i'm never gonna finish this and then next thing i knew it was like 100 and then next thing i knew yeah Man, that's interesting, though. I mean, it's 
and it's probably smart. You know, you think podcasting usually just kind of takes you, you know, you let your brain just kind of relax and you go to some weird places, but you can learn something too on these things. You can, I didn't even know that word history podcast. Every day is a school day. I love it. We'll do it. What else should people know about you before we lose you? Anything else um, that folks should know? Um, I don't know. I th- I say the only thing I'd say the interesting thing, I guess, about me is six years in college, right? You know, I did, I did five. Oh, I completely forgot. Um, offensive line coach died in 2020 at Kentucky. Um, oh, his name is John Schlarman. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, recruited me and coached me and, um, Again, it's cliche, but I understand why it's cliche now. He was like a second father to me, taught me more about life than football. Um, yeah. How so? What did he? What did he really show you? Well, for me, it was he would always talk about you know persistence and and when the going gets tough, you know, keep on keeping on, and you know he'd always say that stuff before he had cancer, mm-hmm. and it was like okay, you know, like all right, coach, like whatever you say. Um, and then he was diagnosed with cancer and the whole time he just embodied everything he always talked about. And I think that's just really cool because, you know, maybe everyone in the world, you know, would practice what they preach, but I feel like it's a, it's not a easy thing to do. And so for him to, you know, be diagnosed and he came in and he was, he was like, yeah, like, you know, if I miss a few days in the next few weeks, like, don't worry. It's just because I'm, you know, getting chemo. And we're like, what? And he just like brushed over it or whatever, you know. And for the first year, you know, you couldn't really tell and you didn't notice much. And um, COVID ended up happening and that really took a toll. You know, he didn't get to go to work every day and was stuck at home and ended up, you know, losing a ton of weight. And we came back from COVID and he was like a different person. Um I remember at camp of 2020, they would bring a golf cart out for him to sit on, and he would just be like, "Get that away from me!" <laughs> like, yeah, really? Out I'm not, I'm not sitting down. You know, I mean, like it's middle August in Kentucky; it's more than 100 degrees and humid, and he's just like, I mean, fighting through. And he'd just like go over and puke on the sideline, and then come back and start yelling again. And yeah. I remember one day. He had to go to the hospital because he was really not feeling great. And we were all kind of a little nervous and we ended up going to practice. And like in the middle of practice, you see him like running down the steps to the practice field. <laughs> and Stoops had to like go over there and like tell him like, get your ass home right now or like I'll fire. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so he just, he loved us. He loved his job. And like I said, he, he practiced what he preached for all those years to us about working hard and, and you know, Keep chopping wood was his thing. Uh, and then it was middle of the season, and we went to Missouri, and he couldn't make the trip. And we had a brutal loss to Missouri. We played that crap. And I just remember sitting on the sideline with Eddie Grant, our old OC, and just Tim and I just crying because <laughs> he wasn't there. And, you know, obviously we played like shit, but that wasn't the saddest part of the day. Um, and then we came back and we had Vanderbilt at home. We played Georgia and then we had a bye week and then Vanderbilt. Um, I remember I rolled my ankle against Georgia 
And the week of Vanderbilt, he was in the hospital. And so we went to see him. And I remember being in the hospital and his, you know, his parents were there in the hospital with him. And that just, that hits different. That's for sure. You know, you got his parents and his kids both in the hospital with him. And, um, you know, it shouldn't happen like that. And that Thursday before we played Vanderbilt, he ended up passing away. And um, the worst part was, is he would just be livid that we like took time out of our practice week to like, you know, have a memorial service for him and all that. He'd be like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know what I mean? Um, and so we ended up taking a penalty for him against Vanderbilt, you know, like we left a spot open in the line for him. And um, oh. yeah, I don't know. It was brutal. It was a, uh, it was a tough time and we kind of banded together as an offensive line, but yeah, like I said, just the practice and what you preach and, you know, I'm not going to say he's the reason I ended up coming back for a six year. Cause I remember telling, I remember telling someone, they were like, are you going to come back for a six year? And I'm like, there's only one man who would get me to do that. He's not here anymore. And then I ended up doing it anyway. Um, but definitely just play with him and in my mind all the time. And, uh, keep in touch with his family and you know he had a big impact on me i mean the stories were were pretty legendary when when he passed i just remember watching watching some on tv and then trying to read everything i could um i didn't know a lot, a lot about john schlarman I, I, as an outsider but you're being around him day in and day out yeah, what, what's your best story like how i guess he he was a wild man right i mean he was intense um yeah, I mean, he was intense. Uh, the best story that I can share with you uh, <laughs> is probably – I just remember getting absolutely ripped one day in a meeting. Like, it was like my red shirt freshman year, so it was kind of like, you know, you'd been there long enough that you should be – you should figure it all out by now and, like, just getting absolutely chewed out. And like at the time, like I was the guy who was always getting chewed out, you know what I mean? And I was starting to like feel a little sorry for myself and taking it kind of personal. After the meeting, I was like, coach, like, you know, like what, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I always getting, he's like, dude, you know, that means I love you. Right. Like I don't just yell at anybody. And he like put his arm around me and like, I don't know. It's just, that's one thing I always remember is, you know, he taught me that when you stop getting yelled at or stop getting coached, that's when you should be worried. Not when you're, not when you're getting your ass ripped, you know what I mean? Um, but he just, you could tell he loved his players every day and loved what he did. Way too young. I, I can't imagine 45. I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Was it, I mean, he was battling cancer. From what I remember, it's a really rare form of cancer too. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad when he found it. Um, you know, I never got the full details, but I'm pretty sure it was either stage three or stage four when he found it. Yeah. And for a whole a solid year, he was doing pretty well. And then, like I said, I think COVID, I think COVID mentally more than anything kind of took a toll on him because work was kind of his escape and, you know, being with us and whatnot. We're going to talk about that aspect of it, you know, when everything just shuts down for a year, the psychological has, has, an, has an impact. Yeah, there. Yeah, there it is. A rare type of cancer forms in the bile ducts. Oh my gosh! Well, how did you get the news? Was it a shock when you got it, or did did 
did you kind of see it coming at the end? Yeah. So, you know, once, once I, like we said, we visited him in the hospital, um, you know, it, it was pretty tough. <laughs> There's a story for you. We were in the hospital and I rolled my ankle against Georgia. And so it was like the bye week when I went to the hospital and I like wasn't practicing or whatever. And he was like, why aren't you practicing? Cause he'd like sit there and watch the film and in the hospital, you know, like, what do you really, yeah. He, he had a little iPad and they'd send it to him and he'd watch it. <laughs> he'd be like, why aren't you practicing? And uh, I was like, Oh, I kind of rolled my ankle. <laughs> he like looked at me like with that look, you know, and he's like sitting there with like tubes everywhere. And like, it was awful, but he was just like, I'm here doing this and you can't, pre-, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But no, it was, so when that happened, you know, we all kind of knew. And then Thursday morning, uh, Stoops called me and when I saw his name pop up on the phone, I, you know, I knew what it was. Um, yeah. I imagine that's going to probably leave an imprint on you as much as any class, any game, you know, anything you built engineering wise, anything in college, these last six years. A thousand percent. Yeah. All right. Well, I wish we could end on a better note than, I mean, this guy, that's so sad, but I, that's all right. Hey, I, he, he probably was the reason you played that six year. Now you think about it, right. He probably was on your I, mind to some extent. I was thinking about him all the time. Well, you know, what's funny is so Drake Jackson, our, uh, our old center, he played, he was all sec, um, played center for four years. Didn't make in the NFL cause he was a little undersized. Um, <laughs> and he texted me after I got drafted and he was like, you know, Schlarman's rolling in his grave thinking he played the wrong guy at center for four years. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. So that's great, man. Well, it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity too. I mean, there's just, it, it's going to, it's definitely going to get exciting with this team. Once, once training camp rolls around and to be a part of it, uh, man, best of luck to you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so Tyler. much for hanging out like this. Yeah, of course, man. Appreciate it.